0: Screw, you know what i mean like just say that it's okay yeah. nope nobody's gonna hate you for that <laughs> which
1: i don't which, know you know the one time we got that was the wisconsin graduation speech and that and was see, really the one time he opened up and, and gave us a little bit more than what he thought people wanted to hear
0: Welcome to an ACC podcast. I know it's been a minute here. Um, I went out of town a couple weeks ago. And so sorry, not sorry that I took a little break. Um, uh, I'm Lauren Brownlow. I hadn't said that yet. I'm very good at this. But I have with me somebody whose podcast I just binged. I actually just listened to episodes three and four over again in preparation for this just to make sure I hadn't missed anything. And I am super into this podcast and I listen to a lot of podcasts mind you I don't listen to as many about sports just because like that's my day job so I don't get into I get into narrative podcasts but they're about other things right so I don't listen to as many about sports and this one, you know, it kind of grabbed me right off the bat. Now, full disclosure, I work with both of the people who do this podcast, Joe Ovius and Joe Giulio at 99.9 The Fan in Raleigh. But giulio has been on with us before. He's back again. Hi, Joe. Hello, Lauren. Thank you for having me. I haven't even said what the podcast is either. Never Failed, uh, the Russell Wilson what, the Russell Wilson story. Did I get that right? Did I get the title right? Correct. I mean to be whoever I don't know who's doing like the stuff with like the search engine stuff on iTunes, but it comes up right away. Uh, Good. (laughs) So that's that's good. Yeah. But anyway, look if you're a casual ACC fan and you're not from this area, if you're not from the Triangle, you probably have certain ideas about the way Russell Wilson's tenure at NC State went, right? And and you probably have. I get asked questions about it still from other ACC media members. Like, you know, whatever happened there? Like, why? Whatever happened? And so I love that you're kind of setting the record straight. But one thing I have found super fascinating about your podcast so far is that you've kind of set the record straight with me, too. And I was here during all of that. <laughs> like, there were a lot of misconceptions I think even I had. Um, and I don't know. Did you did you have any misconceptions? You were as close to it as anybody because, you know, you've been a beat writer for NC State with some brief UNC beat writing hiatuses thrown in there yeah. <laughs> for a really long time. Really close with people around there. You, you know what's going on around NC State and you knew that whole situation really well. Did you have any misconceptions um, that were corrected, I guess, by this podcast?
1: There were parts of the story that I didn't know, um, and there were people in the story that I talked to. Uh, Kyle Wilson, for example, is now, just by pure coincidence, the hitting coach for the Durham Bulls.
0: Yeah, I had no idea. I would love to and hear that.
1: <laughs> when uh, the first person, you know, we talked to Elliot Avent, obviously, NC State's baseball coach, and when I said, like, who was Russ's friends on the baseball team, because I I didn't cover that much of baseball when Russell Wilson was there. And he said, oh, Kyle Wilson. And I was thinking, I'm like racking my brain and I'm going, Elliot, I, I don't, he's not striking any chords here. And he goes, well, he just happens to be the Durham Bulls hitting coach. And <laughs> it was funny because when I looked up the stats from 2010, Kyle had an unbelievable season. He was their best I, hitter. I remember the drafted. name. Yeah. yeah, he played in the minors. He was an outfield. Well, he was an infielder who became an outfielder because – he had played the same position as Russell Wilson. So um, it was fascinating talking to people like that. Uh, then the episode we have coming up, Kyle Wilson was actually at the Rose Bowl, um, went to a bunch of games at Wisconsin. So his his relationship with Russ kind of continued. And then Russ's freshman year roommate was Wayne Crawford, a um, kid from Philadelphia who the people I knew the best on that team, Mike Glennon, Brandon Bishop. Mm-hmm. Um, they had both said, look, Wayne was in Russ's wedding, his first wedding, um, oh, wow. you know, was was really good friends with him and it was great to talk to Wayne. Another coincidental person and voice you'll hear in Episode five, Aaron Henry, who um, Taylor Adams made famous on the NC State coaches show, basically, because Aaron Henry was the defensive backs coach for Dave Doran who was giving those great locker room speeches. And, well, he was on Wisconsin. He played safety at Wisconsin in 2010 and was one of the people primarily responsible on Russell Wilson's visit um, to recruit him and to kind of woo him. So those type of people, those... And and quite frankly, Lauren, Mark Tressman was a guy who was only here for two years with Chuck Amano. Yeah. And I don't think people have a great understanding of his background in the nfl and oh yeah he's obviously a in the in the cfl the yeah. yeah i mean he coached some great players in the i mean he was with some great coaches too in the nfl and for him to tell the story about evaluating russell wilson out of high school during a workout and saying that he gave him a third round grade as a 17 year old high school you know senior i was like huh um, I knew that Mark Tressman was someone who I like to say is the original believer in Russell Wilson as a football player. And um, one thing that'll come out in either this episode or the next one is he actually coached with Pete Carroll in San Francisco. So Mark Tressman is one ah. of the primary reasons why Pete Carroll ended up drafting Russell Wilson. So
0: And exactly um, where Tressman said he would get exactly right. in
1: the third <laughs> round yeah you know so it is um for me it's just uh that part of those connections and kind of behind the scenes ways i've always kind of been interested in seattle i've heard some other i know pete carroll you know used to be an assistant at nc state and does have a great relationship with bobby purcell and one person that told me oh yeah it was bobby purcell who who got pete you know really hooked pete on on Russ. And when I talked to Bobby, he's like, no, he's like, I think Tressman actually coached with him. Um, so just little little connections like that have really uh popped up and fascinated me.
0: Yeah, I mean, for my background with Russell is is interesting. I look, I um my first year covering in State was actually the year after Russell left. So Mike Glennon's, you know, year as the first year as the starter. Um, I had only covered Carolina before that, but you know how you were saying in the podcast, you said, you know, some people have a type, coaches have a type, you know, and Tom yeah. O'Brien's was the, the prototypical quarterback, you know, and Dana Bibles as well. For me, guys that I cover, I always have had a type too. And my type is the the opposite of Russell in terms of dealing with, you know, in a media capacity. Um Because you always feel like there's just something that he's not giving you. And I just, I did think it was really interesting that you took the time to address off the top that like, actually, (laughs) he is this like, I don't football robots, not the word you used. But I, I, how would you sort of, Uh, you said he was getting media coaching. How old was he?
1: His dad would make him after. So his dad, Harrison Wilson, was a two sports star star in the sense that he was a standout at Dartmouth and played both sports, actually had a cup of coffee with the San Diego chargers in training camp. And that was one of the things that really drove Russell Wilson was not only to live up to his father's standard, but to exceed it. Um, and for Russ, his dad at an early age would have him out and with his brother Harrison and they would and Harrison played two sports at Richmond university of Richmond. So He would have them out early before they went to school. They'd run routes in the front yard, or sometimes he'd bring them to the school so they could do them, you know, right before they went into school. And after those sessions, he would make Russell do like a a practice interview session. This is how you talk to the media. This is, you know, oh, you're tired. Oh, this is what you do. You know, oh, you're angry. You didn't throw the ball well today. Well, this is what you do. And it sounds slightly helicopter-ish, slightly Tiger, (laughs) slightly... Marinovich, but uh-huh. um, I remember when I was at the News and Observer, I spoke with Russell's high school coach who's now the the AD there, and he said the, the dad had a, kind of like Russ, the dad had a way about him. Um, it wasn't like punishment. It truly was. Um, they they saw this pursuit. They had this pursuit, and Russell's really from a fascinating family when you think about yeah. his his grandfather was the president of Norfolk State University. Um Grand, his uh, grandmother was a professor at Old Dominion. So, you know, it's like,
0: I mean, his sister uh, was at Stanford. Like, Yeah,
1: the, the, the sister just won the national championship. He yep. was at all the games uh, down in the bubble down in San Antonio.
0: Oh, so I saw. Ri- I saw that he got credit for the. Yeah, win, which it was just... truly.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's truly an extraordinary family it that, is. He's from, that he's from. I'm and, a little
0: surprised he didn't go to Duke for that reason. Kind of with the academic I, background.
1: I think he was. He, this is what it was. He wanted to play baseball and football, and he wanted to play quarterback. So Carolina, the famous story with John Bunting was. Oh boy, you know, yeah,
0: the Mike Paulus. Uh...
1: We want you, but we have this Mike Paulus, and I promised Mike Paulus I wouldn't recruit anybody else. Do you want to play safety? And Russell's like, uh-uh. The dad actually said, uh-uh. And the the, the legend, which I think I can confirm a, a secondhand at least was once bunting was like, we want you to play defense, they got up and actually left the meeting. So they go to (sighs) NC State, and Tressman has this wonderful workout. Trestman's completely sold on quarterback. Chuck Amato is completely in on uh, Russell as a quarterback. Elliot Avent, who had scouted him previous to that workout, and baseball said, yeah, do it to it, man. I want you to do both sports.
0: And Duke Uh, still had Thad Lewis at that point, I think, right? Duke
1: was Ted Roof. So yeah. Bill O'Brien, uh, who we can only now you know, kind of retcon, there's all kinds of uh, history has Bill shown O'Brien? us. Bill O'Brien? Bill O'Brien was Ted Roof's first offensive coordinator, his first uh, quarterback's coach. What? Yeah. I yes. for-
0: I, had no- I did not know yes. that somehow. Not that I was I paying remember- super close attention to Duke football at no, that time. No, I know.
1: <laughs> the only reason I remember is because Bill O'Brien went to Brown, which is where Joe Paterno went. And I even joked with him, this is Ted Roof's first year. I go, you know, there's another college football coach from Brown and he's like, yes, I know. (laughs) And he became obviously the guy who succeeded Joe Paterno at Penn state in, in all of the small worlds. Uh, But no, Duke was the one who was like, yes, you want to play football. Great. You want to play baseball. Great. You can do both. You want to play quarterback. Great. Um, And obviously at the time, Duke wasn't that good. So the the appeal of (laughs) NC state was, um, they were certainly better
0: than Duke. Yeah. A little higher quality. (laughs) And,
1: And I think, Baseball wise too, Duke wasn't good at baseball. Um, not until no. recently has Duke been good at baseball. Yes, that's so true. I think that was more of a safety net, you know, fallback if nothing else had happened. I,
0: I was not around at that time, so I didn't get to see you and Russ interact. But knowing how you are, especially with people that won't give you anything, and you know <laughs> there's more to give. Because for me, there's a difference between an athlete that you can tell is uncomfortable speaking to the media. You know, just maybe they just don't feel like they're going to say the right thing or whatever. And they're a little more quiet and guarded and, and and shorter answers. And a guy that, you know, has it in him to give you better answers and just doesn't,
1: you know. So, yeah. So this was actually the time I covered Carolina football in nine and ten. Oh, OK, so I was covering state basketball throughout and I had a pretty good relationship with Tom throughout. Tom O'Brien actually coached. Um, long story short, one of his star players, he had brothers, the Toll brothers. Um, their dad is a famous high school coach in, in New Jersey, Greg Toll. And my dad, Lou, w- w- was a coach with Greg Toll uh, in high school football in New Jersey back in 19, in the late 1980s. So Tom and I have kind of always known each other a little bit because of that. Um, but with Russ, I, I, I was at, for for that for those years in 2008, like I would be at the home games. I was at the South Carolina game because that was the the 08 South Carolina game because it was a this ESPN opener. Oh yeah, um, I remember that
0: game. I remember that ca- game. Yeah.
1: Mm. And then nine, I was covering Cal. I was covering Carolina, so I only saw him the one game, which was he would, in my opinion was his best college football game of his career, the O nine game, not the Hail Mary game. No, yeah. the 9 game was when Carolina still had Marvin Austin, still had Greg Little and Robert yep. Quinn, Bruce Carter. Like that was, that was the last time Carolina had their full stacked lineup under Bush mm-hmm. Davis, And Russ threw for four touchdowns and led them on a comeback, a one point win in a, in a completely it was like a one armed marching band. Like it, it, I still don't know how the heck he did it. Um, so then in '10, I covered. The Carolina game again, which would have been the two-yard Hail Mary. And I did some more home games that year as well. Um, But it, I didn't – I wasn't back on the NC State beat until 11. And that would be Mike's first year as the starter. So I was there more than I would regularly be Um uh, if I didn't – you know, like a Duke football situation. But right. I wasn't there all the time. And with Russ, he was – robotic with his answer. And you still hear that frustration from people in Seattle and the media in Seattle and the people in the NFL cover him and it and you have to kind of explain to him it's not a front and it's not like this uh it's not fake. It's just it's who he is. And again, it's how he was raised to answer questions in a certain way. And you're not gonna knock him off those answers. I'll give you a great example of when I tried to get something out of him. He came back for you after they lost the Super Bowl to the Patriots. He came back. I wish I could find the audio. I probably I remember kind of, I think
0: I was there for this. What okay. what year was yes. this? It was this, yeah, I was there for this because I was okay. fascinated to see him in person and to like <laughs> yep. see how he handled media. And yeah, it was exactly <laughs> he how he came it.
1: back and he gave some answer about, you know, the camp. He was he was at the time it was a passing camp. He was trying to get kids involved in football. And he, this was after that he threw the interception on the goal line. And, you know, I I said something to him about the interception and about the way that the game ended and he gave he had his automatic response ready and I just snapped back at him kind of the way I do. I was just like, well, why don't you just hand the ball off? Like, why? Why couldn't you just override the call? Because he was he was very adamant that that was the call and he couldn't change the call. And he just kind of looked at me, and I'm like, "All right, man. All
0: right." <laughs> yeah, he's like, "I do. I. I. That's a huge missed opportunity. I would have loved to have seen you two kind of go at it for uh for the whole time he was there. To be honest, or or you yeah. know, I, the butt
1: I, fumble game I covered to the original butt fumble game. Uh, remember in 2010, NC State played Florida State at night, a night game. Far State was in the top 20.
0: Oh yeah, Christian was that Ponder? Ponder? Ran, yeah. Yep,
1: ran into the back of his fullback, <laughs> fumbled the ball when they were going in to win the game. And NC State won and I I kind of pressed Russ on that one too. I was like, "Yeah, but that was something unusual, you know, and he he was in full uh, Russ speak mode and I was like, "Nah, man, that doesn't work."
0: <laughs> it's just so, yeah. I mean, is Russell <laughs> Is he like a whole, like, does he have interests outside of football? Is he a whole person, you know, to the best of your knowledge?
1: Uh, Yeah, uh, his family, for sure. And but obviously like, he has a new that. life with Sierra.
0: Um, yeah. I mean, not that I would know, have many interests if, you know, you're married to Sierra and I get it. But, you know. <laughs> you
1: know, like, I think he's always been so driven with sports. That it's always, like, think about it. At NC State, he graduated in three years. Yeah. With, with an outstanding GPA by the with... way. You know, in base played baseball, played football, and it's con- it makes you kind and of And his dad was more.
0: dying for part of it. And his
1: his dad was gravely ill throughout. And you know, he, he was driving back to Richmond fairly frequently to go to go see him. And it's just a it, it's really a a fascinating ability to focus. And that was one of the things that Elliot Even said, you know, the talent shore is there. But his ability to focus was, was beyond anything anyone had seen. So I think you could apply that now to whatever he's doing with the Seahawks, right? Now that it, Certainly now that he's only playing football, um, you, I'm sure there's a lot of film study in there too. He, he strikes me as a guy, hey, if I had four interceptions against the 49ers in a Sunday night game, I bet you he spends all of offseason looking at where he can get better in those situations.
0: I think my issue with him has just always been something that I think sports fans long for when it comes to their athletes. I think we do like to watch people that are driven in that in that way, almost maniacally. So like Mm -hmm. Jordan has that appeal, too, but he also was way more media. Um, he He would give you way more quote wise and all that kind of stuff. But like it's like I, for me, I think some people want to watch their athlete and think like, I could be this person. Like, I think that's Steph Curry's appeal in a sense of like, I can shoot a three, you know, which is stupid, but whatever. Um, (laughs) You can't shoot like Steph. No one can. He's otherworldly. But there's this thing of like, I could have done that or I could do that type of mentality. It makes it relatable. But for me, it's like. It's more like, hey, you have a hobby and a passion outside of your sport or or or, or is this thing or whatever it is drives you outside of your sport also like a normal person. And for me with Russ, it was just always like, what is your deal, man? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just it was just I, I was like, what are you what are your interests? Like what it, you could never I felt like you could never get the best handle on that. And And for me, I just find guys like that less compelling. I don't know. Maybe I'm not being entirely fair. <laughs> but it was always an annoyance to me in a way because it was like i don't know it was like he's this guy and he does all these special things on the football field and then he comes off and gives you like these canned answers he he could have sure. talked he could have given you amazing quotes like thank god tom o'brien <laughs> was there <laughs> to give you all of the quotes you needed, you know, like Tom O'Brien's quotes during that stretch of time were amazing. Like he, he yeah. would, he fed that fire instead of Russ, but Russ could have said whatever he wanted, you know, and still been a football robot, but he just had no interest in that. And I don't know, in a sense, I was just like, just say what you really think. Like you can say you want to beat Carolina because you don't like them or whatever. And like, screw, you know what I mean? Like, just say that. It's okay. Yeah. No Nobody's going to hate you for that.
1: Which, I don't <laughs> which, know. You know, the one time we got that, was the Wisconsin graduation speech. And that NC- was really the one time he opened up and, and gave us a little bit more than what he thought people wanted to hear. So, and I, I also just think with Russ, he, he, one of the most amazing things he ever said, he came back after the 2011 season. NC State had an alumni day, at spring practice in 2012. Yep. And...
0: I remember Russell that. I was came. there for that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Russell
1: came and he had because I think I believe he had a, he had a workout conference. with the Giants. Yeah. And he and he had availability, but he was there pressing the flesh with Tom. And we were all just kind of like, oh, boy. And I remember what he said that day. And he looked amazing.
0: That yeah. Day. Oh, my like, God. He, I still have a picture somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. He had a
1: tra- he had a physical transformation at Wisconsin because remember, when you're yeah, playing was baseball, jacked. when you're playing baseball and doing all these other things, you're not lifting weights the same way you would if you were just concentrating on football. So, so many good things happened for him when he went to Wisconsin. Truly, it was the best thing that happened for him. When yeah. he came back, he says, and I'm thinking Russ is going to get drafted, right? Fourth round, fifth round. He's going to get drafted at that point. I, I, I'm friends with uh, Steve Kime, who's the general manager of the Cardinals. And he's like, yeah, he's going to get picked because I'm. At, it was still a legitimate question. Um, But Russell says, I want to you know, play in the NFL for, for 12 to 15 years, and I want to win multiple Super Bowls. And I'm thinking to myself, you, wow, I would just be worried about getting there. you know." And his mindset was, no, nah, I'm going to get there. I'm going to be there a long time, and I don't want to just win one Super Bowl. I want to win multiple Super Bowls. And for whatever reason, that comment has always stood out to me about what a what a different mindset that he has from everyone else. And he wasn't saying it in a bragging way. It was no. more of, this is what I'm going to do because I am, this is what I'm going to make my life's focus be.
0: Yeah, and we could, I mean, honestly, you could have done a whole podcast series just on his graduation speech. I'm assuming you're getting <laughs> into that more later.
1: Yeah, um, that'll be the last episode. We'll have a oof. juxtaposition of potentially. Um, with the graduation speech he'll give on tonight, Friday night, May 14th. Yep.
0: Yeah. I, I hate that we're doing this before that, but in a sense, like I, I think Russell is smart enough not to say anything similar to what he said in that speech because he understands his audience. But I the thing for me about like me just being kind of annoyed that he was this football robot, it transitioned for me because I'd been covering state by then for a couple of years, and I had grown somewhat attached to their fan base. Like, I like I genuinely I don't mind saying this. state fans are my favorite fan base in this area. And it's not, you know, it's not all that close. I just think they're very endearing. I know they have their flaws. I know. But that, in a way, makes them more endearing. And I felt like I think what bothered me was like, he doesn't love you like you love him. Um, and I always, it was almost like a girlfriend or something that like my, one of my girlfriends or something that was dating if if she was like dating someone that was treating her poorly, you know? And it's like, come on, you could do better. Don't love him. You could love this guy that really loves you. You don't need to love this guy. He's a loser. He doesn't care about you. And so for me, that, that speech and just a lot of the, um, I mean, I can say it inaccuracies in it. I, the, yeah. I I don't know that I would go so far as to call them lies because I'm not uncon- like I, I think there's a part of him that truly believes some of that stuff. But it, he he had to know on some level it was going to make NC State look bad. It did. And, you know, I think like. For me, that speech is I, I could we could. Go on for hours about it because, like, you you played a brief clip of it already. Um, I think in episode three, um, where he talked about that was the part. See, like, in and of itself, why that's the thing. If you've ever heard Tom O'Brien talk, which I'm assuming most people who've listened to this podcast have, if you haven't, look it up. He talks nothing like that, like, nothing. He is, (laughs) and I don't, is it because he was in North Carolina at the time? Like, I I just. that's a minor one, but it's still like it's one of the he was even like seemingly aware of it. He was like, "Oh, excuse my southern accent for a minute." It's like, why are you giving him a southern accent?" Like, oh
1: <laughs> yeah there was There were a lot of things wrong with the graduation speech, and the winner gets to tell the story he told he won, so he gets to tell the story.
0: Right he ma- he writes the history, yeah.
1: He writes the history and, and that's kind of part of what the podcast is about. It's not to dispel what he said in that graduation speech, but it's it's to put it in context. And I feel like the graduation speech. He can dunk on Tom O'Brien all he wants. Um, there, there were some I I ultimately think Tom was right in going with Mike Glennon, but I don't think he went about it in the right way. Right. And I I know there were things said to Russell that would lead him to to get to that graduation speech and say, you know what? Basically, w- this was, you know, Russ's G-rated way of saying F you. You didn't believe in me. You wanted me to play defense. You had you know, he didn't really bring Mike into it, but th- that was part of it, that Mike was the hotshot recruit. He wasn't. And look what happened. I made it. I went to Wisconsin. I won the Rose Bowl, or I got to the Rose Bowl. I got to the NFL. I've been to the Super Bowl twice, won it once. So you you lost is basically it was a it was a big fat nanny nanny poo poo from from Russell Wilson right to Tom O'Brien, and that portion of it I could stomach, even though the accent was was ludicrous. Yes, but the the part where the baseball. And saying that Elliot, and he didn't use Elliott's name or say, you know, he, he said, oh, my baseball coach didn't give me a chance. Um, no, that's just flat out wrong. Elliott Avent played Russell Wilson that draft eligible year and he was drafted by the Colorado Rockies. He got more at bats that year, played in more games that year than any other portion of his career. Elliott even pitched him, Lauren, let him pitch Yep to showcase him in, <laughs> and you can hear it in this outfield. podcast
0: you, you can oh. hear it elliot adores him
1: oh my gosh there isn't it, the thing to know about elliot even is he really is the biggest nc state fan i've, I've ever i've ever met and that's not an insult to elliot at all or, or for a coach normally you would say to a coach oh you're just a fan no 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 elliot goes to football practice all of the time uh when mark godfrey was the basketball coach he went to basketball practice all of the time he would go and just he is a huge NC state fan and he's obviously a huge Russell Wilson fan. And he, he is, he truly is the person primarily responsible for Russell Wilson being at NC state. You know, he's scouting a baseball tournament in Salem, Virginia. And Russell Wilson's on no one's radar. And Elliot's watching the game. And the guy in the stands says to him, Oh, Elliot was impressed. He playing shortstop, but then a random guy in the stands, you should see him play football. And Elliot immediately calls Chuck Amato and says, I think I got somebody for us. So he didn't have to embellish the baseball portion of that graduation speech in the way that he did. And my hope would be in this graduation speech, he actually thanks Elliot Avon.
0: I hope so, too, because, again, it's almost like the he's the my, he's the representative, too, because I also like Elliot very much. And Elliot yeah. is like a representation to me of the state fan base in the sense yes. that he he loves Russell unconditionally, even now. And yep. it's like you don't I get why you feel that way, but you don't need to because he, you didn't deserve that. Like, yeah, he didn't need to do that to you like that ugh, anyway. Uh, but. So I think that speech for me was like and look we all do this with certain things we misremember things whatever but it did for me and I think you do a really good job of addressing this in the podcast to sort of call into question a bit Russell's reliability as a narrator um of certain parts of the story I do think sometimes it has helped if there were people that can verify parts of it you know like for example the whole like asking him to play DB thing my immediate reaction was like, come on. But then like the fact that, you know, uh, Crawford, his roommate, I think kind of verified that he had said that to him at the time. I was like, well, maybe, you know, okay, that's, that's fine. That, that might make some sense. And uh, I I guess there are aspects of this though, that it's like, there's one big thing up for contention in the podcast. Right. And it is, you know, I think that's the one thing that you've seen Tom O'Brien push back on some is the whole, and this is the part that I was wrong about, I guess, although I'm not sure how wrong. My my impression of the situation from the get-go was that Tom basically told Russell, look, you can play baseball. If you do, don't come back. If you don't, you can come back and be our starter. But considering the fact that he told Mike he was going to be the starter in January, I don't, I guess I'm a little fuzzy on some of the details. I know Russell's camp insists that, that Tom never laid that out. Uh, Tom yeah. says he did. So that part. Yeah, of, and that's, yeah. That's where
1: we get into, I think, ultimately, Tom was correct in saying to Russell Wilson two, th- two different things. You need to commit, make a commitment to the team because the rest of the players are making that commitment and you're not. And while, yes, you are exceptional, you're still a part of the team and you need to make the commitment. Lo and behold, what we know now in history tells us that the second Russell Wilson gives up baseball. He has he he's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. He's the only quarterback in the history of the ACC to win the Super Bowl. So uh, you can't deny that Tom said one thing. If you commit and make if you basically give up baseball and commit good. This is what will happen for you when you make the commitment. Right.
0: Yeah. So and maybe think, Tom was actually right.
1: <laughs> that part of it I say is I, that part of it I say Tom was right now. The part where I will say Tom was wrong was in how he handled it. Number one, he was your starter for three years. He won a lot of football games for you um, and and put you in a position to win those football games because the way Russell Wilson played didn't require, and we know this in the NFL now, doesn't require a lot of blocking, doesn't require a lot of great receivers or other skilled players. Um, you just kind of have to get out of the way and let him do his thing. So I think. I think Tom owed him an in-person conversation after either before senior day in 2010 or after the bowl game in 2010. He should have sat him down and had an in-person conversation with him and said specifically, if you go to spring training, if you go play for the Rockies this summer, I am going to make Mike the starter. He never did that. He was never clear cut about that. What ends up happening was Russ leaves. Russ was actually in that offseason workout that year for the first time because he wasn't yeah, that was really baseball anymore. Yeah, it was fascinating. <laughs> yeah. And so he's, he's back for the workouts and then he leaves. And now you have the conversation where Russ calls Mike Glennon first and says to Mike, you know, what are they telling you? And Mike's like, they're telling me I'm the starter. And we can deduce that the next phone call that Russell Wilson makes, which was, would have been April 27th, was to Tom O'Brien. Yeah. And that's when Tom O'Brien finally told him, yeah, Mike's the starter. And then Russ said, fine, I'll come back and I'll compete for the job. I Basically, I've beaten him out every other year. I'll beat him out again. Right. And Tom said, no, you can't come back. And Russ was like, um, okay. And he was still kind of pushing back a little bit. And Tom was like, "No, you you can't have a scholarship. I'm, I you won't have a scholarship."
0: See, that part was the part I didn't know. Like, I yeah. think I think I thought like Mike. No, did, that was
1: legitimate. Yeah. No, that was legitimate. That that <laughs> Tom base Tom was done with Russell Wilson. What the part that Russell Wilson leaves out is it was his actions that led Tom to that decision. Again, Tom could have been better with the way that he had communicated with Russell. A about that last off-season hey if you go you're not coming back and b and b i believe as someone particularly of tom's background that's an in-person conversation that's not a that's not a that's not a phone conversation
0: see and what's interesting yeah okay so tom says that yeah that that makes sense tom says there was a conversation i guess where tom there were explicitly he can't sure
1: yeah there were multiple conversations don't get me wrong but The one person I talked to who knows Russell better, you'll you'll know it, don't say it aloud. The one person I know at NC State who knows Russell better than anybody else said to me, in no uncertain terms, Tom never specifically said to Russell, if you leave, you can't come back. That that was never, there was never an ultimatum given
0: to Russell. Okay, and it's interesting because Brandon Bishop, uh, in this most recent episode, Mm -hmm. uh, played... Safety, I believe at state, and uh, yep. one of one of my favorite dudes to cover as well. I yeah. know yours too. Great guy. um He said he was sure that Russ understood that that was the consequence. Yeah. And one and, thing I was going to ask you is how, why?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I well, Kyle Wilson said the same thing. And remember, oh, interesting. Uh, maybe maybe not remember because it's in episode five. I apologize. <laughs> Kyle Wilson was in Asheville with Russell after the, the phone call, uh, a couple of days after the phone call. So. Uh, he said the same thing. He, he Russell knew. Russell knew. But it was it's, it's like Mike Glennon said, it's almost like Russ didn't believe Tom would do it, would have the guts to do it. Right. Because after going nine and four and finishing in the top 25, you know, the way that uh, Russell saw it, they had a chance to be really good the next year. What Russell didn't know, and I think is one thing that we talked a little bit about in the last episode was Tom had problems with Russell during the two, the 2010 season in the loss to East Carolina and the loss to Maryland. Yeah. There were Tom specifically in his own warped sense of reality, which we could say is warped because Russell, I don't think Russell needed to be at spring practice, but in Tom's mind, if Russell was in practice, spring practice and there for the whole workouts, he would not have played the way that he played specifically in those two games. It, I, and why he holds <laughs> those two games against him, I, well, I, I don't really know. But I think it gets back to this whole type, right? Like, what was Tom O'Brien's type of quarterback?
0: Right. What's interesting, that's another thing I was wrong about. Because I thought Tom was mad. Because, and, and this was my memory, and I looked back a little bit. And it's not quite the way I remembered it, but it's a little bit. In that Russ was a little bit of a slow starter to seasons, So that's what mm-hmm. I thought he was annoyed with because, and you do look at it, his two worst passer ratings against FBS teams in, in his last two years at state, I believe were in the first game each year. Now granted those opponents, as you mentioned, were, <laughs> you know, uh, pretty good. So there's that, but like, that was what I thought he was mad about. Not those games. Cause both of those games were later in the year from what I yeah. remember. Um, yeah. I do the ECU one. If people y- y'all look at Russell Wilson now, Look at, like, his numbers that he put up against, like, say, Carolina, right? And then mm-hmm. go go look at ECU's record. Yeah. You will not, like, you will be like, what? <laughs> and, it, and obviously, yeah. like, it's a team effort to lose games like that. Like, it's not just on Russ. But yeah. you, you would see Russ beat, like you said, you know, you talked about those Carolina teams that had all of that talent. You know, like, it was always, that one stood out to me, too. Because I'm just like, how and why? The Maryland one, like, uh, I get it. Um, it was right there for them, and if they'd won it, they would have gone to the ACC title game. Mm-hmm. And obviously, don't, don't forget
1: that was Debbie's first year, and Debbie mm. was at that game. And Tom told me what shortly after Tom got fired in twenty after the twenty twelve season. He told me he he knew he was done after that Maryland game. That he knew she was just looking for a reason to fire him. Ever since that game, that if he had won that game he would have been fine in her eyes. You know what I mean? That's her first year. But since it was Maryland, her old school, and she didn't leave Maryland on the greatest terms.
0: No. Um,
1: <laughs> so I, I, and I, and I agree with Tom, but I think there's, there's some things, there's just some ways that Russell would play that Tom didn't agree with. And I think one part of where they were as, in terms of a program then under Tom the offensive yeah. line got a lot better, even though it still wasn't great. It was a lot better than when it was, say, in 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 08 in or 09. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was also part of Tom's math that Mike could play behind the offensive line that they had at that point, at that stage of, of him building the program.
0: You guys obviously had to go into some background in the first few episodes. And those those were still interesting to me because I still learned some things I didn't know. But one thing I just find fascinating about the way the specific part of the story played out about him leaving and everything else is just like how many human emotions it sort of plays into and, and qualities in people that are both good and bad, right? Like Tom's stubbornness and, but then also Tom's loyalty and, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, when we talked about Elliot, Elliot, like Elliot's loyalty. And one thing that strikes me about Russell, I'm not trying to like cast aspersions on his character necessarily, but, it's interesting to me that you can see that loyalty to him so, that's so strong, and I don't know that you see that reciprocated on any real level <laughs> towards some people that are really responsible for his success. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. I I
1: think sometimes we can confuse the graduate, and and I talked specifically to Elliot about the graduation speech, and he said to me, "It doesn't matter. He's telling a story. It's it doesn't matter."
0: But that can affect his recruiting, like in theory. You know what I mean? Like yeah. why, Elliot? Elliot, you are wonderful. And I always say You're to not Elliot, to this, but Elliot. Yeah, I always
1: say to <laughs> Elliot, Russell, the merit of Russell's story stands on its own. He, he Yes, did not he didn't need, need to, to add the details. Elliot. Um but the way Elliot looks at it. It's almost like Elliot is part of the timeline of NC State sports and You know his first year as a student back in nineteen seventy four, the fall of seventy four, NC State was national champions in basketball. Like Elliot was in love with David Thompson, the the mythic ACC legend. And then when Jim Valvano ends up winning a national title, Elliot was basically a gopher for Jim Valvano. in, In he was a low paid baseball assistant, but one of his jobs was basically after. Baseball after basketball games to go get pizza and food from a Medios for a Valvano to watch the tape and get ready for the next game so Elliot kind of looks at NC State as this whole timeline that he's known and has interacted with the the, the greats and he puts Russell in that category with David Thompson and Jim Valvano mm-hmm. and he doesn't you can't knock him off of that perch because in part, how Although, impressed he was with with Russ.
0: Although it's fascinating to me that he hates the way, and I get why. By the way, that that could be its own podcast series. The way that Valvano was treated on his way out by Steve, yeah. he still has yeah. he still has anger over that. And it's like, well, yeah. you have lo- you value loyalty in one instance, but not another, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I I just there's so many interesting things, and one of the more interesting things, and and somebody I'm so glad did this with you, and really opened up and got candid and I always loved him from the moment I started covering NC State is Mike Glennon um who just I I said this to you the other day when I saw you like if, if only we could all evaluate ourselves as accurately as Mike Glennon <laughs> just like <laughs> like yeah what I mean what do you say I'm an elite I'm like an upper level NFL backup, which would be the best quarterback in the history of a lot of colleges. And that's so true on so many levels. But he even recognized that, like, he wasn't better than Russ to the point that when he played, you know, even though Tom O'Brien had told him he was going to be the starter, he goes through spring football. And I didn't remember this for some reason, probably because I wasn't, like, scrutinizing spring football (laughs) at that time. But, like, I didn't remember that, you know... He was even though he knew that he was going to be the starter, like when he was asked about it, he kind of acted like it would still be an open competition. And Tom, I guess, did not take kindly to that. And he was like, oh, wow, I really am going to get this loyalty like, oh, uh, okay." (laughs) Uh, that was fascinating to me, too. And Mike is just somebody that, you know, like I said, it's my first year covering state. He's a quarterback that, you know, he's, he wasn't the best quote I've ever covered, but he was just an honest guy with kind of a dry sense of humor, not unlike Tom in some ways, you know, although without the military and the rigidity and all that stuff, but, you know, capable of having some fun. I remember when he kind of like, uh, you know, you would imitate Tom some dress up like Napoleon Dynamite because he has that voice and the red hair and he just kind of leaned into it. He was self-deprecating and fun. I've always liked Mike very much. And I always, always, always felt very badly for him. Um, And I don't know if you get into this with him because this isn't about Mike. Um, but like, I don't know if how he handled that first year, especially because so many things were still like in turmoil about Russell's exit and state fans were upset. And, you know, he's not Russell. I don't know how. Oh, you're fine. I don't know how Mike felt about. I don't know if you get into that with him at all about like how he handled that and and how it made him feel at all.
1: Yeah, in Episode 5, we talk a little bit about the 2011 season back at NC State because really so much of college football that year became about Russell Wilson. I mean, we 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 hadn't seen a graduate transfer like that make an impact like that before. Um, really, you probably have to go back to Troy Aikman leaving Oklahoma to go to UCLA to see somebody transfer or have the success that Russell Wilson did. Um, and and back in NC State, you know, you remember that night they they lose to Cincinnati. It's a Thursday night game early in the season, It drops them to they got murdered by Cincinnati, just blown out of the gym. And ESP it's an ESPN game, and ESPN basically turned that whole game into an infomercial for Russell Wilson. And it was basically you know th- three hours of ESPN telling Tom O'Brien how stupid he was, and that was the PR. That was after that week. I talked to Tom. And I said to him, why don't you just come out and say you had two years of Mike and one year of Russ? Like, why don't you just explain yourself? And Mm. it was a situation. A, he never thought it was that simple, right? Because it wasn't just that simple. It was about the commitment. It was about saying to your teammates, I'm going to be there for you, right? Like, that's an entrenched military concept. It's not about you. It's about the team and or the unit, you know? And I think for Tom to try to explain it was almost like it was beneath him. And he loved to just act like it didn't matter. Your opinion didn't matter to him. And I think to a certain extent, it didn't, even though, you know, you would see a couple of years later well, I had two years of Mike. Only one year for Russ. Well, you know, it it would have worked out this way. I should have started Russ as a freshman, he he once said. You know, that was my mistake, not starting him as a true freshman. So that year definitely was one of those years where it was just a, a total PR loss for Tom O'Brien and NC State.
0: And Mike. And it wasn't And his Mike.
1: Fault. <laughs> And Mike, because he ended up with 31 touchdown passes that year, three more than Russ had the year before, you know, in the same team, same system. He, so
0: he played well. Like he, I mean, Mike
1: was fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Mike wasn't the problem. They had a bunch of injuries that year. Defense um, from one of these their years. The defense. I think. Yeah. Woo, beginning of that Ooh. year was a, was a struggle. But um, I think Mike was so. He had his head down and his blinders on as well. Because he, yeah. he truly did adopt um, Tom's personality when it came to that.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I was-
1: and don't forget Dana Bible. Um, he's the one person I'm... I'm I, I knew Tom O'Brien wouldn't talk to me for this podcast. Dana Bible was someone I had reached out to and tried to connect with. Yeah, And I was disappointed that he would not uh, share his insight because Dana was truly the one with Russell and Mike the whole time. Um, the way Tom were operated was Tom was the CEO and let his position coaches really handle everything. And Dana's track record with quarterbacks honestly speaks for itself. Um, so I, I, that was the one person that I felt like, you know what, that would have been, that would have added to this.
0: Yeah, actually, one person I was going to ask about, and maybe you do talk to him and we're just not there yet, was Nate Irving. Because um, he was probably the only figure at NC State that came close to approaching Russell's level of popularity um during his time there. And um I I would have been really curious to know what Nate thought about some of the things, like with the skipping the winter workouts, et cetera. Yeah. Um, I would have been really curious to know what Nate thought about some of that.
1: Yeah, I unfortunately did not was unable to connect with Nate. There was a couple of guys from that team who we reached out to who I felt like would have added to the conversation um but then at you know at a certain point you run out of oh for sure you run out of time and, and space to oh. kind of put it all in there and i thought we got a little bit lucky with certain people oh yeah and then there was other people debbie Yao was another person i talked to and she said nope mm-mm, not gonna do it
0: oh man come on debbie i like tired. it's been
1: 10 years and she's like nope um so there were some people like that where i was like Cause that was basically my pitch to everybody. It's been 10 years, you know, like what are we, what are we doing here that we can't have a co- constructive conversation about this and, and tell the story the right way.
0: I mean, it, I was going to say it was interesting. Cause you said like, we tried to make it work with Russell's people. And I'm like, you know, as it, as somebody who has done similar types of things, knowing that some people aren't going to talk to you yeah. ahead of time, like, was it really like you knew he wasn't going to talk to you, or did you think oh, he yeah, was... yeah, yeah, okay no, I figured no,
1: no. <laughs> yeah, it it was fine, I mean, Russell Wilson's one of the biggest stars in all oh, of right. the n f l and all of the country right now, oh totally, um, so, yeah, he might not have yeah, talked and, to you even
0: if it weren't a sensitive issue,
1: but <laughs> yeah no and and i don't i don't I don't think we've been
0: no unfair not at all
1: to anybody in this podcast. I think we've gone out of our way. To make sure that both sides are represented and understood. And it never was like, like I, I you know, the graduation speech, we we all agree was embellished. It was that's part at of best. why this podcast exists. <laughs> yes. Um, but it never was like, oh, that was wrong, this is wrong. It truly was when people ask, well, what happened with Russell Wilson at NC State? I, I just felt like we had Russell's version and yes. nothing else in, in a complete sense. And I think this includes Russell's version. It's just a more of a, a complete picture of what, hap- what had happened.
0: And, and it, yeah, it, there's also for sure. And there's also a more, an interesting dynamic that you kind of explore a little bit, too, of like because you, you really press some guys about this, about like, you know, do you guys like Russ like as a person? I mean, you didn't say that, but you know what I mean? Like, it's it, yeah. It, it, like, were you cool with him? Like, did you hang out? And you can really see that, like, you don't necessarily, I mean, it's like real life, I suppose, you know, you don't have to be best friends with somebody to get the job done, you know? Right. And, and I think it was clear to them that they didn't mind some of the stuff with Russ because they knew he would get the job done. This is probably the only time that Russell Wilson would ever be compared with Dennis Rodman, but it is somewhat similar in the sense of like both sets of teammates knew that when that person showed up, uh, yeah. They would they would play. And that mattered to his teammates, I think, more than like being there at certain other times. Whereas you can see why coaches would be bothered by some of the rest.
1: Yeah. And you and you have not only the issues with his dad, the health issues with his dad, but also he had had a girlfriend, uh, Ashton, who ended up being his first wife. And and, a meme. And a meme. (laughs) Of her
0: screaming on the phone next to him on when he was drafted. Bless her heart, Um, man
1: we didn't really get into ashton in this podcast um i'll just say there were some things said about ashton that did not paint her in the most positive light in the history of the world but i ultimately decided that she's gotten enough um from yeah from the divorce and blame and whatever tales are told about her and um how their marriage ended. That that wasn't the point of this podcast. So I, I I purposely chose not to include some of those thoughts.
0: Not to go like as a woman on you, but as a woman I don't I I uh re- appreciate that. Um because <laughs> <laughs> well, Lord knows it could have become like Russell was whatever yeah, issues are just blamed on her or whatever.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And that's that would not have been I think the times I've pointed her out have just been he had a very serious relationship. Like right. you could be on a football team and have a girlfriend and not spend a lot of time with your teammates. That that does not yeah. make Russell Wilson unusual. No, um, not
0: at all. Or even like not party or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah.
1: I mean, that that's but it was also a a chunk of his time. Like that was something he had dedicated the whatever free time he had in his life was dedicated to that relationship. Um, so I, I think that was a fair point to make. In terms of was Russ around, you know, had it, you know, what was what was the temperature of that relationship between Russ and his teammates?
0: Yeah, Um, I I do. I've kept you long enough now, but I, I wanted to. I'm curious about what your thoughts are on like state fans' relationship with Russell, and obviously, state fans aren't a monolith. I know there. I know state fans that feel that that don't care that much for Russell, you know, the person necessarily, and find him kind of annoying and whatever and but understandably are okay with his success because it reflects well or can reflect well although I don't know how much Russell's little graduation speech has impacted that necessarily but you know I, I'm, I'm curious like what your thoughts are on like the way state fans feel about Russell and the way Russell feels about state because you definitely get the sense that like if things had gone a little differently at Carolina he could have just as easily ended up mm-hmm. there and then who knows like Lord knows the way Carolina's quarterback history was up to that point, like probably wouldn't, (laughs) who knows. Right. But you know, I, I just, you get, I'm curious what your thoughts are about that part of it, like how they feel about each other.
1: One thing that left an impression on me was in 2016, after the graduation speech, NC state's baseball team was in the ACC tournament in Durham. And on the jumbo board out there at the DBAP, they played um, the fa- most famous alumni from each school. So Florida State was like Deion Sanders, Burt Reynolds, and somebody else. Then they do NC State. They have uh, Scotty McCreary, Zach <laughs> Kalifanakis, and then they put Russell Wilson's picture up. This was so close to that graduation speech, the people, the NC State fans in the crowd actually booed. Russell Wilson's picture on the video board. Good for that. And that was when I thought to myself, "Wait a second, what has he done here?" Because Phillip Rivers is universally loved by NC State fans, even though he's been back once, maybe um, if it's twice, it's a lot. Definitely once when he came back and gave the but Bulls he still loves them people. No, absolutely. And absolutely. He, he might
0: ha- yeah, he's, he's got his reasons. People
1: who have their own family <laughs> relationships that, right. he, that need to be tended to. So we have this juxtaposition, though, of this universal love for Philip Rivers. And, and a guy now- that is
0: so NC State in Phil. Yeah,
1: but also a guy in the NFL who had an excellent career, Hall of Fame career. Didn't win a Super Bowl, though. I know. You know, Russ wins a Super Bowl and is in another— And it has become, you know, he's in the Macklemore song. He's in the uh, Rihanna Eminem song. He he, Russell Wilson is the biggest thing. NC State. Has ever produced. Okay, David Thompson is the best college basketball player in ACC history. Yeah, but he was never a cultural touchstone or someone identifiable or someone who had had success at the professional level in the way that Russell Wilson has. So it's almost, Lauren, to bring this full circle to you. You did a podcast called NC State Shit.
0: Russell, <laughs> They Wilson wouldn't let me is, call it that, but yes. <laughs>
1: Russell Wilson is the definition of that. He is the definition of NC State can't have nice things. Right. He's the best thing they've ever produced, yet he kind of sort of doesn't claim them. And then there are moments where state fans are kind of like, hey, Wisconsin, you can have them. Because of some of the things that he said in that graduation speech. Mm -hmm. So that part of his legacy, I believe, is complicated. And to your point about not being a monolith, I think there are some state fans like Elliot Avent, like other people that you talk to who say, man, that was really dumb. I can't believe we let this guy go. And then there are other state fans who said, yeah, but he just wouldn't commit. And as I'd like to point out in this podcast, what happened the second he gives up baseball? I mean, he's a career 200 hitter. What are you hanging on to? Man. And then you finally give it up and your your football career takes off like a rocket, like a rocket. And, oh, but did he give up baseball while he was at NC State? No, <laughs> he he hasn't played a meaningful inning of baseball since he left NC State. It's just it'll it's mind boggling that that portion of it is mind-boggling. So I, I think there are plenty of NC State fans who love Russell Wilson and remember the Carolina games and remember what they want to remember. And then there's the other portion that doesn't. And it's just kind of like it was. they're confused by it. They were slightly State, irked by S- it.
0: State fans value authenticity, I think, yes, in a yes. way that the other fan bases don't necessarily. I think they're, some of them are more content to have a transactional... Relationship yeah. with players that played there, at least in terms of like football. I know Carolina basketball fans are a little a little different in that regard, but like I think state fans value authenticity in general, um and it's just always struck me as like and, and loyalty, you know, both yeah. of those things because they have a lot of them have both of those qualities as well. Yes, yeah. and it, it's it, and I just and and look, I'll admit it. Like I don't mind admitting it. Some of it for me is that I'm a Panthers fan, and I just. I'm like, can you not like get out of my life, get out of my life. Get, I don't want to see your team play my team. I don't like your coach and his stupid gum. And I don't like you go away from me forever. I don't want to see you. <laughs> so yes, I will admit. And the fact that like Russell, you know, that's a whole other issue that we we don't have, but like Russell is a black quarterback and he, was able to kind of escape that in some ways, right? It, it like escape the because he played by the rules, you know. Sure. He, he was the 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 company man quarterback and Ka- my quarterback Cam Newton at that time was not that. Yeah. Um
1: well, I'll say this about Ross and and about race specifically. I think it's a it's wonderful that we've we don't spend that much time talking about his race in terms of oh, he was the second Uh, black quarterback to win the Super Bowl. He was, you know, this, this, whatever milestone we love to do when it comes to race and the quarterback position. But the one thing that bothered me about the graduation speech was he inched by, by using the country accent, it almost made Tom sound like the plantation owner telling him, you know, Oh, you can't play quarterback. You're going to play defense. You know, uh, that was the, that was the, undertone there of that that i that i didn't like because that's not that was not anywhere near tom's intention or that that was right. not how that relationship All, played out but although
0: i will say when you told when the safety story was told um mm-hmm. on your podcast i did you know even as much as like my own personal opinions about everything were already factoring in i had that moment of like wow shocker a coach wanting a black quarterback to play defensive back. Okay. You know, like, so even I had that moment of like, nothing about this story is simple. And that's why this podcast is so interesting to me. And I think you guys have done a really good job of kind of getting beneath the layers. um, Um, That's, that's why it's so compelling.
1: It only sounds the way it does because of of our friend Joe Ovias. He's done a tremendous job in orchestrating and really finding you know, Joe's been here for 20 years and sometimes we forget that and his institutional knowledge of what interviews we had. And Russell Wilson was here in, in our uh, Highwood studio the day he actually committed to Wisconsin because the yeah, that part I didn't know. <laughs> us is a satellite uplink and uh-huh. Russell came over here and they talked to Russ that day and Joe asked some tremendous questions that day um, for the record. Right, like that we now have. You're like, well, what happened with baseball? Is the door open still with baseball? You know, and it's just one of those real, truly a treasure trove between the WREL TV archives. Yeah, shout out to
0: Jason Jennings as well. Yes,
1: Jason has done (laughs) tremendous work, but also just Joe knowing, uh, living through the timeline and knowing, you know, hey, this is what we have, and that part of it has truly uh, enhanced this podcast series.
0: All right. Well, everybody has to listen to it. Um, seriously, I think you'll find it really interesting. It's called "Never Failed." Uh, the Ru- you just tell me what it's called because I don't want to get it wrong. You'll find it if you search "Never Failed" <laughs> yeah. or Russell Wilson, literally, because I did. Yeah. I've done both.
1: "Never Failed: The Russell Wilson Story" is the name of it
0: yes it's wonderful and you can find jillio on twitter i'll just do it for you rather than making you do it um they joe he and joe Ovius have an afternoon show drive time on 99.9 the fan called the og so you can listen to them there and also um what is your twitter handle now oh my god why do i it, not know this
1: it's my last name g-i-g-l-i-o underscore og jillio og
0: Yes, don't confuse him with the other Joe Giglio. um, Uh, That's why I had to include the OG in there. (laughs) Who covers Pittsburgh sports. Every now and then, like, I don't follow him, but when he pops up on my timeline, I'm like, is that? Oh, no, that's not that Giglio. Um, But, yeah, um, thank you so much for doing this, and I will talk to everybody uh, next week.